Welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. My name is Dave Wright, co-founder and editor of Player Development Project. PDP is a website for coaches who are committed to learning, and we provide a huge library of resources which consists of cutting-edge insights from the world's most innovative player developers, coach educators, and researchers. If you want to learn from the best and join a community of like-minded coaches, then check out playerdevelopmentproject.com. On this week's Player Development Project podcast, we answer a question from our community and try to offer up advice on practical problems faced by coaches around the world. Hi everyone, welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. Pleased to be joined once again by my colleague, PDP Technical Advisor, Dan Wright. Dan, how are you this week, mate? Very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Looking forward to another question, and this week it comes in via the Facebook page, and it's from Tony. Now, Tony's got a really challenging one for us. It's often said that player development isn't about winning, so what is it about? So quite a controversial one, a little bit interesting. What are your initial thoughts around this one, mate? Okay, so this is a big question, a bit of a grenade that one, isn't it? Um, so yeah, this is something that's always on Facebook and always on social media about, you know, is it about winning? And if it's not about winning, perhaps what, what is it about? I think we need to talk about sort of value-based coaching and, and perhaps, you know, as as adults, what, what do we value and, and how do we sort of live that through our sessions and through our games, I guess. Is, is that how you've interpreted that question? Yeah, definitely. I think you've got to start really asking the question why you're coaching. So from a coaching perspective, um, why are we coaching? Um, what are our outcomes or why are, we, why are we actually going about what we're doing? Because if it's just about winning, then for me, that's kind of the expectation that that's going to lead to the result of you know, developing better people and developing better players. But I don't know if that's necessarily the outcome. Now, that's not to say winning is not a part of it. Um, I think it's really important to develop a winning mentality. But I think it's more important, particularly with youth football, to go into it with the idea of developing processes and developing environments that are going to lend itself to outcomes as opposed to just focusing on the outcome. So a big part of it for me is self-awareness. And I think understanding yourself and understanding uh, why you're coaching is probably a good starting point. Yeah. I mean, we talked a bit about this in the Q&A about what is coaching and, you know, we dived into, you know, how, how you and I thought, you know, what, what was coaching in our eyes. And I think if it's something that you're driven about the outcome, it's, it, it, you're going to fall out of love with it because the process is why people coach. So it's the, the process of interacting with young people, you know, the rewarding side of it, of, of helping young people go from, from one level to another level or, you know, not being able to use their left foot to using their left foot or whatever it is. Those are the sort of small victories that make you fall in love with, with coaching rather than maybe winning a trophy after 42 weeks that, you know, within two, three years, everyone would have forgotten about. So I think it's about, you know, giving that unbelievable experience to the kids so that they love the game as much as you do, I guess. That's, that would be, you know, sort of my, my short answer to this question. Yeah. Could you yeah. give, could you give some, um, like some real life examples of some of the values perhaps you've had or in clubs that you've worked in and, and how you live those sort of through sessions and on the grass? Yeah, I think, you know, things that I value most of all, I've spoken a lot about the environment you create. And I think if you look at a value as an example, resilience is one that I really love. So if you look at that as an idea, how do you develop resilience within players? Well, you've got to put them in situations where they're facing adversity or situations where they're learning to embrace discomfort. And this is something that we've written about a lot through PDP. Um, And I think you can develop resilience by making players uncomfortable and, and also communicating to them why you're making them uncomfortable. Because there's a lot of players who might be apprehensive or nervous about that. But for example, it might be an overload session. Maybe you're doing a 6v3 and there's somebody who really struggles with being in that three and two or three goals go in and they're up against it. 
and they're just their heads going and their heads dropping and they're not really in the game now unless you put that player in that situation they're not going to get better so it'd be very easy to play it safe and pull that player out and go actually no look, let, let's put you on the other side there so i think you can breed resilience through clever session design and i think that's something that I really have enjoyed working with players with over the last few years and really trying to hone in on how you can do that either at training or on game day and embracing discomfort's a big part of it. What about you, mate? Any particular favorites? Yeah, I think um, one that I've tried to understand a bit more, you know, with, with the guys that we're lucky to talk with through the PDP is creativity. I think a lot of people talk about creativity and obviously, you know, um, Jimmy's a, an expert on this sort of stuff, but it's, it's something that people use a lot as, a, as almost like a default. You know, I want the players to be creative. And I think you need to maybe dive into that and understand what that means for you, because if you want players to be creative, well, part of being creative is, is them trying and failing. And, and that doesn't always go hand in hand with winning and, and successful outcomes. So you can't have the, the drive or the desire to have creative players. And then as soon as things go wrong, you're, you're you know, let's don't take any risks, get the ball, you know, forward as quickly as you possible, kick it from the goalkeeper's hands and all those sort of things, which I suppose is, is sort of where the question's coming from. You know, if you want to win, there is probably um, effective or safer styles of play to, to play um, in grassroots and in, in, you know, youth football. And if we want these creative risk takers and individ you know, uh, individuals and um, decision makers and all these things that people talk about, mm. well, then the, the reality of it is going to be a lot of time where that goes wrong. And then one of the things that I was thinking about when, when, when you were talking about resilience is, you know, how you've got to reference this during sessions or, or during games or in that moment. So like this bit's really rubbish, like what's going on now? I said, not the outcome of the pass is rubbish, but but what you're experiencing now is bad. Like I, I recognize that that was not enjoyable. <laughs> like It went wrong for you. But but all that is, is the other side of the risk or it's the other side of resilience Like mm. you're going to have to go through that to be better at it. And, and I think sometimes we could do, as coaches, we could do a better job of living that rather than saying, I want you to be more resilient. I put on a session, in my mind, I planned a session that will build resilience and then we move on on Sunday and we'll win. Mm. But there's probably loads of little gaps in that of when you were playing 3v2 and it was really tough, you have to show resilience or you showed good resilience by doing X, Y, Z. Yeah. Does that make any sense? It does. I think the way you communicate it, and like you say, the way you live it is really important. It's very easy for, for clubs to develop a philosophy or a system of beliefs and go, this is why, or this is what we're doing, and this is why we do it. But unless you're actually living that and then putting that on the grass, then it's probably just down on paper somewhere. So it's really important to actually do it. And you know, I've, I've worked at a club which had a great um, program around leadership. And, you know, we, we would have those words tied into the, the session plan every week. So, for example, it might be persistence. So tonight we're going to work on uh, counterattack and we're going to be persistent. So we're going to keep making forward runs. And we're going to keep making recovery runs. and We're going to keep putting ourselves in a position to score um, because that's what we're working on. And just using that language reiterates the point. Um, but I think also when you go back to the question of, well, if it's not about winning, what is it about? We're talking about developing people and therefore we've got to look at things like how we can develop mental strength, um, how we can you know, teach players the lessons of life through sport. I think there's so many benefits in, in terms of you know, winning, losing, developing, learning new skills, socializing, uh, leadership challenges, all of the things that go with sport no matter the code um, can all be taught through clever session design and creating the right environment. Um, so I think for me personally, the, the sort of psychology side of the game is the most fascinating part of it. And as we've talked about a lot, this is a human activity with human complexity. 
So it's important that we keep that in mind and that we think, well, actually, how can we deliver and, and develop these things off the ball and away from the technical side that are going to add to the package of the player um, so that they become, you know, as we say, better people. So it's really important just to think about the way you plan sessions and think about the way you prepare on game day to go, actually, it'd be great if we can win the game. That's fantastic. We all love winning. The kids love winning. I've never met a player that doesn't love winning. Um, so I don't think as a coach, it's my job to sit there and go, guys, we've got to win this. We've got to win this. Sometimes players might need a reminder in terms of focus, but I think that extrinsic motivator is essentially quite dangerous at times. If we go back and go, well, actually, we're going to get the outcomes we want by going back to the processes or the style of play or the philosophy in terms of the way we want to play the game then that's going to give players more ownership and put them more in tune uh, with why we're doing what we're doing. And, and I guess that comes back to the idea of shared ownership, which again is something we've spoken about previously. Mm. And, and, and motivation. I think, you know, there's only so many times in a, in a week, in a season that you can use that sort of that rev up of, you know, okay, boys, that standard was not good enough. Because Definitely. if you're doing it, if you're doing it every single game, then the kids are just going to switch off. They're just going to shut down because, Oh, here goes Dave again. He's going to rant and rave. Like it, it, it genuinely doesn't work. And and you're hearing more and more elite athletes in adult level talking about that. You know, there's some really good examples in rugby where you know what are these team talks for? Why why are we going on for 15 minutes? And mm. I think you know the sort of the the Hollywood style you know um, inspirational talks. Are, that's not reality. And, and and if we want the players to reach that elite standard, which might not be your aim, but if you want them to reach that elite standard, they're going to have to drive it. It's going to have to be intrinsic, you know, because we can't give them the rev up when they're, you know, walking around Asda and are they making the right choices <laughs> and the right food. So it can, we can't say, you know, put down that chocolate. Like, they're going to have to do that themselves. And so, you know, if you're trying to build a practice culture, you're trying to build, you know, people that want to do it for themselves, I think you've got to, you've got to live that through your values. Mm. I think um, I think one of the things that's worth talking about is a, a lot of the examples we've given have been through sessions and through games, but there's loads of small wins off the pitch as well. Mm. Like kids that want to um, tidy up the dugout after sessions, like they want to put the rubbish in the bin, they want to collect the balls. And I think you can just reference that by saying, you know, that's really helpful or that shows good teamwork or that shows, you know, that you care. I had a, fa a fantastic example recently where I was fortunate to go on a tour and um, the uh, airline company were collecting, you know, for people that have been affected by, you know, sort of a, a worldwide problem, uh, a disaster. And, um, you know, the, the, the people are putting in the odd, you know, the odd change, you know, the odd euro, the odd 20p. And one of the boys came to me and said, you know, I've got 20 euros. Can I put it in? And I said, you know, you can do, you don't have to, like, don't feel like you have to do that. I mean, that's a lot of, lot of money to a, to a child. It's a lot of money to me, to be honest. <laughs> and so, and so um, you know, he said, well, I don't need it. Like, they need it more than I do. And his decision making was so, he was so sure it was the right thing to do. He didn't, it didn't take more than 30 seconds thought. And even when I checked him to think about it, he was like, why do I need to think about this? Yeah. I've got this money, which he's probably been fortunate to, to get from, you know, from his parents. He doesn't need it, you know. He's got all the food and, and clothing and water that he needs. He's going home to a, you know to a safe house, and um, and he's like, I'm going to put it in, and I, and I, and that was you know a great moment to celebrate, you know, with that child to say that is a fantastic, you know, unselfish thing to do, and that might be one of your values, you know, generosity or you know giving to people that are less fortunate or, or you know humility or, or recognizing that you're in a privileged position and. You know, if you're if you've got that sort of personal development off the pitch, that can only transfer onto the pitch. So it goes back to you know creating better people and better players. I think if you've if you've got those well-rounded individuals, they're going to be um, perhaps easier to coach, but 
quicker to coach if that makes sense mm. you know you've got to connect with them better because they're good people and we're, and we're going on the journey together but yeah a fantastic story that, that i thought was worth worth sharing yeah it's a great example and going back to the example of um of players who pick up cones or contribute at training i mean which coach doesn't love a kid that's actually self-aware enough to start helping out in coaching and i had a lad uh quite recently who i was working with who every single session session finishes up most of the team are doing kick-ups or, you know, they're being kids and they're mucking around at the end of the session. This kid, every single session, would display leadership. He'd organize the kit. He'd get the cones in. He'd put them in colors. And it just wants to chip in. And for no other reason than it was the right thing to do. So you could see this was a kid that, whether it was developed at home or through the football environment, had strong values and strong attributes away from the pitch. Um, and look, there's plenty of content on the website around this. So I sort of want to throw to a couple of ideas there. First of all, uh, John Hame, who's written a number of blogs um, in terms of developing mental performance on the website. We've got a great video discussion with John. Um, he's a mental performance expert based out of Canada, former professional golfer called Building Mental Strength. Also, our recent masterclass discussion with Paul McGuinness, who was at Manchester United for 28 years, a, a phenomenal discussion. And, and just doing the interview for that one, I learned so much on that call. Highly recommend people get in there because he talks about the values at Manchester United and how they underpinned the process from the class of 1992 right through to the, the Pogba's, Rashford's and so on. Uh, also got a fantastic blog from uh, Hannah Eggerstrand, who's a research associate over there in Sweden, called The Value of Values in Issue 15, and another uh, research review by Professor William Harper called Values and Creativity. So, so much content on this topic uh, on the website for our members, so highly encourage people to join up there, access those features, and, uh, and go and have a look. Dan, any final thoughts on you from this as to, you know, obviously we're talking about winning, we're talking about, you know, improving people, we're talking about creating environments. Any final thoughts that really add value uh, to the idea of not, uh, of not just focusing on that extrinsic outcome of winning? Yeah, I think what I would what I would sort of encourage uh, coaches to do is to to make a, a list, a written list of what you think your values are. So if it is creativity, if it is risk taking, if it is um, uh, hard work, if it is resilience, whatever words that you think you know, because those words will mean slightly different things to slightly different people. Write them down and maybe even a little description of what you know what it means to you, and then maybe just reflect after a month or so over sessions and games. Okay, that's what I wrote down on a piece of paper, but do my actions match? So, you know, if you're lucky that you can film yourself, that would be a really great way to do it. Or even keep a diary of, you know, I reference resilience when I talk to Dave about this. I, ref I reference creativity when Dave, mm. you know, did this fantastic turn and, and he played a through ball. And so maybe that, that, that language is then consistent through all of your, your sessions, your games and the off-field stuff. But the starting process is probably understanding yourself and understanding the values that you want to try and help develop in young footballers, I think. Definitely. Fantastic advice. Hopefully we've uh, we've helped answer that question and suggested a few ideas for the coaches out there. Dan, thank you so much once again for your time. We'll look forward to another PDP Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.